Hello, welcome back to Berenson Bond episode 50. This is a monumental one, 50 episodes. I did not want, I did not know if I'd make it to 50 when we started with one. So this is cool. This is almost two years in. Next month is two years. No Diego on this one. This is just grown-ups together. So if you got any kids, they'll probably be bored. So I don't even think kids listen. I think it's just grown-ups that listen to this anyways. You think so? I'm pretty sure you don't think there's i know there's running around with headphones like yeah listen to the next just like first graders downloading their favorite podcast to be maybe you know that's gonna happen i that's make weird. actually so before we get started so <laughs> it's just us brandy smith jacob smith hello got my cousins here <laughs> i think is- for the record though you gotta be Jake's your cousin and I married into this situation. Okay, so here's the thing. Yeah. All right, you're my cousin, Jacob. You married my cousin. You're my cousin in law. Yeah. It's weird. It's too many words. Even yeah. saying brother in law, like Melissa's brother, I don't say brother in law. So there's a one single word in Spanish, which is I like having one word. Mm-hmm. Cuñado means brother in law. Okay. So I just call my cuñado because mm-hmm. it's faster. Yeah. And you marry my cousin, so that yeah. makes you my cousin. Yeah. I just drop off the in-law. Yeah. No, I like it. I just it sounds too it. formal. It is. It's like yeah. when you're at work and it's a person at work that you are cool with, but you're explaining that person to someone else. You wouldn't say, hey, my friend, so-and-so. You'd say, oh, my coworker. Mm-hmm. If they hear that, they know you're just a coworker. You're not. We're not having <laughs> tea or coffee at any time soon outside of this spot. Well, it's right. some generally. It's it just it's a defining line. So if I say my cousin-in-law, mm-hmm. I feel like we're not cool. It can say yeah. It, it can sound a little diminishing. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. oh, is that your cousin? No, it's uh, associate cousin. Yeah. Like I lesser mean, than. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean forced in by marriage. Yes. <laughs> So well, no, yes. I I just think it's funny because I talk to Jake's cousins more than Jake talks. to Oh, Jake's she's cousins. the communicator. Yeah, yeah, and even I text you and call you, and then I usually yeah. don't text or call right. you. That's but that, that's not just you. It's not. <laughs> you know, there's just usually there's a communication person in right. each household, it's and definitely you know. her. <laughs> so you know, no. If we're you happy. prefer me to hit you up directly. I can. Just no, sure do it. I also think that you're at work at the plant <gasps> and, you, and you're in some bunker no, that's... buried with feet of concrete and then Brandy's out on a tractor and can just like pause and let me just... Yeah, my work's you know, AirPods, pretty relaxed. I yeah. might not be in touch because there is feet of concrete out there. But <laughs> <laughs> if I'm in my cubicle, it's not, nothing... Nothing important. Just hit me <laughs> up. <laughs> You're only helping create energy for all of the county. No big deal. No bigs. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many homes, like quarter million homes or something. It's pretty important. You're part of something important. Yeah. So I got. So my question for you. Start right here. You rode motorcycles down to the campsite. Nope. It just seemed so fun. So easy. You went through those mud patches and water. I didn't realize after we cleared the road. Oh, also when we cleared the road. Oh, yeah. Hysterically, we 
And I, okay, so back up. I drove all the way almost to y'all's house when I called you. Uh-huh. And you're like, I'll meet you with the motorcycles. Like, oh, they're going to be fast. So then I drove all the way back down oh, to the Oh, you spot. were already at the... Almost. Oh, of course. And then I was like, I'll just pick it up. <laughs> you're like, no, we'll meet you. So we uh, we drove all the way back, got to the blockage in the road. Uh-huh. After we cleared it, you know, you drive about 50 feet. And then I saw the gate so to the other the field. Oh, in the field. field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I could have just gone back and yeah. around. But the- it's too easy. Yeah. I want to clear a I mean, road. It, it had to be moved. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I figured it can't just be like that well, forever. Yeah. And I think I have something else to add to this because this morning I told Pinkney because I saw Pinkney at the barn this morning and I, I hadn't seen him yesterday. I was like, hey, did you see that big wall of brush down there? He goes, yeah, because, you know, they went down to the creek yesterday. They took mm-hmm. Henry and Casey and Megan and... uh he goes, yeah, we just drove, we reversed and went around it. Yep. Like, he just ignored that it was there. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, it would have been nice to know. <laughs> I was like, but Corey and Diego got to get in there. And- but it was way more fun yeah. chopping some trees and clearing the road. Plus, for Diego, he doesn't yeah. wouldn't get to do that every day. Yeah. Those types of experiences, clearing a road, surviving torrential rain at night. <laughs> I was like, am I being a really good dad or is this like, seriously, we could just go to a house? I was like, I, I was on the line. I was like, well, if it gets yeah. bad, I knew I could bail, but. I commend you for staying in your tent with water inside of it. Yeah. But what, I mean, if I was sleeping in water, I would have left, <laughs> but we weren't. And that's why I was like, as long as we're dry, he's dry. Yeah. It's cool. Even me getting out to put the other, because I didn't put the bottom tarp under my tent. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I can just take the actual tarp and totally cover the little hole that's at the top of the tent. And it would have worked. But me to do that, I would have 100% got soaked. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I'm dry. Why am I going to get out to get that, soaked to then right. come back in yeah. and not get dry? Yeah. yeah. I'll just, I'll stay put. No, that's funny. <laughs> So yeah, so you so your motorcycle trips you've done three now. Uh yeah, in public land, motorcycle, dirt bike, off the grid. Yeah, they're the first one was the Trans America Trail. It's pretty well established. I mean, it goes all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast. Where is, do you know where it starts and ends? I think it's um, South Carolina, or there's a few different versions that people have made over the years, and there's some. People argue about whether some of it's public or private or not on those different side routes. But so it goes from there and then it goes kind of through the southern eastern states and then through Oklahoma and then up the corner of New Mexico to Colorado through um, Moab, Salt Lake City, and then up to Oregon. It used to go through Nevada, but it takes a pretty outfitted bike to do the Nevada section. So people didn't like it. So you can just download the GPS files and map it out. Go do it. And we only did a section from New Mexico up to Moab. It was like 1,400 miles or something with probably 80% of that's on dirt. The one you and Joe did? Yep. Yeah, just me and Joseph did that one. It was his idea, and he didn't even have a motorcycle. So I was like, nah, you're crazy. And then he kept pushing <laughs> me and pushing me, and I, I'm. It's it was so fun. I can't. 
I'll never scratch that itch enough. It's so cool. But you, I mean, you're especially equipped mentally, and you grow up on this land, so you've been riding dirt bikes, and you're not you're riding dirt bikes on bumpy trails often, to where at least you're so muscularly familiar with that. Yeah, like I don't know. I'm I'm not like a strong guy. It's just because I mean, it is like a 400 pound motorcycle with 60 to 80 pounds of stuff on it. And how much of that was water? Um. <laughs> Because I know water's uh, heavy. A gallon. We we have a gallon each. That was it. Um. Yeah. Between stops. It just that- any time you come through a town, you just go in a somewhere and like you can go into a subway sandwich place and say, "Hey, can I fill up my Camelback in your <laughs> water thing?" And normally they're like, "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> but or just buy like some water at a gas station and refill. I also have a one of those little Sawyer filters, so if we found water which is all over a river or creek, you can filter it. And we never had to do that. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's like sort of like a life straw drink. Whatever. Yeah. But uh, the trail is kind of designed so that if you don't want to camp, you can do the mileage in a day to get to like a place where there's a cabin or a, you know, a, a B&B or something. Um, Did you ever use the straw or the filter? No, never, never. had to. This uh, I said that to say there's enough towns that it goes through that you can at least buy water if you need to. You didn't want to just test it? I've done it, it before. Yeah. Uh, when we, yeah, we uh, hiked the Grand Canyon and some of the other hikes yeah. Brandy and I've yeah. done, we've gathered water and filtered it. Because I didn't know about all the filtration uh, uh, options out there. There's so many, right? There's the mm-hmm. cool straws. There's the bag mm-hmm. thing. There's the bottle filter. There's tons and when we went through Grand Canyon, they mm-hmm. like, oh, fill up a, whatever it was, a 10-gallon jug and put half of a cap full of bleach in there and you let it air out for a day. And it into the water? Into the water. And then uh-huh. you let it air out. So we found this fresh stream coming right out of the side of a mountain, filled it up, put the tiny amount of bleach in there. Huh. Smelt like straight bleach two days later. Yeah. So then that's not going to uh, work. So then we busted mm-hmm. out that mechanical battery operated actual pump filter system so we could take it straight out of the river it took it was a slow filtration pump yeah and then after the fact I'm like then i go to rei and i see <laughs> i can fill up a nalgene with this little filter in a straw few minutes in like a second for like 30 i bucks. could have kept moving just scoop up <clears throat> river water put the top on and just start drinking what yeah I don't know you can like- <laughs> yeah you can screw those straight onto a water bottle yeah it's so cool do you think though like if you you found like a spring though like you could i mean you just probably could have drank it yeah, yeah. I mean, if it comes straight out of the ground it's gonna right. be totally safe yeah i don't know what bacterians would have been in it that right would you know I, like i wouldn't but i wouldn't drink like what is that the colorado river yeah not the river water but yeah. the spring I would, the spring out. out of it i would probably just suckle down i think we do it out yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it if you can see it coming out of the side of a, <laughs> a bluff or something, yeah, just not it. going. It's going to be like cold and it's going to be clean. Poop or something. And so on your trip, you had all freeze dried meals, or what was? Uh, yeah, um, and some like shelf stable stuff, like summer sausage and beef jerky and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, mostly to make a meal of it would be like freeze dried food because it's so lightweight. It doesn't pack small. It doesn't weigh anything. Of course, you got to have water. That's what I was thinking space-wise because I just looking at these bags we got and I was thinking of your trip. 
It's like, that's a bulky bag. And if you only have these saddlebags, pretty much. Yeah, so I've got hard boxes on my bike. Joe had soft bags. <clears throat> they were all waterproof. And then we would each had like a waterproof roll bag. Just like a nylon roll top bag that you strap over the back seat. To, and mostly like in there, put like my sleeping bag, change of clothes and part of the tent, stuff like that. Did you take this tent that we used? <clears throat> that one y'all used last night is the one Joe and I used the first time. Oh, okay. It's a sweet tent. Yeah. It, I'm, Those windows are giant. Tent. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. I think the screen size. That's the one we took. We took it. We bought it, we for, bought the it for the Grand Canyon trip that we did. And I think that was January Gosh, 2016. Was that? No, it and, wasn't. Maybe, okay, then January 2017. I can't what remember. It? Yeah. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it was. And then. Three years ago, four years ago. Since then, we've done some. The Rocky Mountain National Park fiasco we had. Why is it, that, why is it a fiasco? That's the one where we couldn't get to the campsite after hiking for like yeah, 12 hours and straight. And got altitude. I got missing. altitude sickness, sickness. And we could. The, we were in the trees coming. and it was so steep that there was no flat spot to put it so we had to hike back up the mountain to the flat spot that was like where the trees are only three feet tall there wasn't enough flat space to put the tent no yes. it was yeah. that steep yeah. yes and, and that was the thing too because we were looking at because we kind of mapped out our trail and honestly we should have chosen a different route and a different place to go but that's what was available well, that was the only was, campsite available yeah and the reason is because it's the hardest it one to get to one. in the whole park yeah. <laughs> and so i mean it was just sheer it was i don't know it was hard to explain and i've lived in mountains but it's it's like a sheer drop off but then it's like you've got you know 10 20 foot trees and it's like there's got to be There's like fallen flat. logs everywhere, so yeah, you're, climbing you're climbing over, over logs, logs on steep terrain, and then you get to a spot, there's a 20-foot stone Just wall. Can't zero. go down that, so it then you got to find a way around. And at some point, we stopped. I'm, like, getting tired. It's about to rain. I look at the map. I'm like, we still have 600 feet of elevation down to go. Mm-hmm. And we were probably only a half mile from the place. Yeah. Yeah, we were. And I was like, I don't. We couldn't do it. If, even if we do make it, we have to come out this way yeah and you didn't well you obviously didn't want to go down but you didn't want to camp up top because of the lightning storm That's what we ended up <clears> right doing. and i you know it's not like it is here where when it like a storm comes through and then it's gone mm-hmm. it's like a storm comes through for 20 30 minutes and then it's clear and then an hour later another one comes through mm-hmm. yeah and it, you know by the time we got we back just up. had made a decision to hike back up to a flat spot, set up the tent, wait it out. It wasn't a campsite or anything. It was just a spot. Mm-hmm. Which they really don't recommend to well, do the, in, yeah, in national I mean, parks. But, I mean, we... They want you at the established campsite so you're not destroying yeah. the terrain and yeah. the you know the natural grass and erosion and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. But we didn't have a choice. We also saw then, bear claw marks on the tree, and that really and scared an us both. And an abandoned backpack. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that had like been messed with. It appeared, but that was. Did you imagine someone just running in fear, dropping their bag and running? Yes. From a bear? Yeah. That I Probably. mean, that was going through my mind, and I think that someone didn't want to carry it out. Yeah. And then a bear just found a snack. Oh, how no. like that was that was really weird, but but. That was the same tent. So that, that tent's tent been through a lot because that windstorm was pretty wild. 
I've seen some looking, you know, tent shopping online. They have those wind, rain uh, rooms. You oh. seen those where they put them through the oh for testing, testing. Kind of? mm-hmm. okay. So they set up the tent, and then it's a room where it slowly spins on a circular like a lazy susan for okay. the tent. Yeah, and they just blast oh, the like room from with all rain directions and, and blast oh, wow. it with wind, and you can see them do uh, elements testing. And so there's a rating they get. For how much they can withstand. Oh, cool. I wonder what ours has. I don't know, but those uh, like three-sided <clears throat> stakes that I had, mm-hmm. those I bought separate. And we had those in that wind. And I'm glad we did because I think it held in a lot better than it would have so with too. just the regular round ones. Yeah, I think so too. Anyway, so that was... So that so you just you took that same Bunsen burner... Boil water. Yep. Freeze dry meals. And then coffee, same snacks. thing. Boil water for, don't you not really boil it for coffee, just heat it up and then make that in the morning. We'd normally be like somebody would make breakfast and somebody would roll up everything. Oh, pack everything up. Yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty fair. You yeah. take turns doing that. Yep. On your most recent one, though, it was three of you guys. Yeah. So last June, into June, we went, me and Joseph and Casey, because uh, Casey kind of saw what Joe and I did. He was <clears throat> like, okay, that looks pretty fine. And he went and bought a motorcycle like that suited for that kind of thing. Oh, wow. And uh, so we, you know, we spent most of a year planning the trip. And it was the Continental Divide uh, route is another one that's there's GPS tracks and not all of them are identical. But it's basically you start at the Canadian border and go in Montana and it ends I don't know in what town just is it in New Mexico? just just west of uh like El Paso mm-hmm. in New Mexico at the Mexican border <clears throat> so we started in Kalispell which is like 20 or 30 miles south of the Canadian border Kalispell Montana and followed so how, how did you get up there to start yeah so we rented a U-Haul trailer like a five by nine foot trailer mm-hmm. and then loaded up the, all the bikes the three of us we had the bikes in there yeah. and then brandy and megan and casey thomas took the explorer with uh joe and casey's son troy so the girls took the trip in the explorer so, yeah so they drove south and hit all the national parks and yeah. cool spots between nice. there and here oh while we were off-roading on our way I'm down and we kind of like tried to meet up when we could but that actually only ended up working out once so you guys just headed straight north to start and then you yeah. just slowly <clears throat> no no we drove it we was all, all of us up. in the explorer all of you went up yeah except well, for joe and casey oh, and troy they flew, flew in. i forgot they yeah flew. they flew in so everybody started the journey though at Kalispell, Montana. Kalispell, yeah. Montana. Yeah. So the Explorer was pulling the trailer. Right. So you just dropped off the trailer, some U-Haul up there. Yep. And then you yeah. just used the Explorer to go camping yeah. in a different spot. Well, that's, that's they did all the glamping, like in Moab oh and, and Yellowstone. Is that where you had the giant yurt? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm, with the massage and the hibiscus tea <laughs> and the, uh, the, the eucalyptus toe rubs. Do you have the? Uh, the earlobe massage. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's it's funny to to have done that because because the three of us girls like we've gone camping and we could rough it like if we needed to, but we saw this and we were like, "There's a toddler with us," and Megan was seven months pregnant at the time. 
She's kick ass. Like Mm -hmm. and she hiked everything. I I bet more than ten miles during that. Anyway, that's a whole other. So how easy was it for her to have that baby? Did she just have it and go have breakfast right after? No. 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 Just checking. Just checking. I don't know, you know, fitness and pregnancy. She was very fit, but he um, took a sweet little time. Oh, okay. You know, as children do. do, Right, yeah. But um, I know this isn't, but she got pointed at it a lot while we're out on trails. Pointed at? Yeah, like Like, a guy. Pregnant lady. Exactly like that. (laughs) No, that's exactly what happened. Like, we were out. I can't remember which national park we're at but a guy literally pointed at her with his walking stick what? and said there's another one <laughs> <laughs> poor megan she just kind of was like there's what? An- there's another one <laughs> <laughs> but anyway so the guys fully were out there and we we got to hang out with troy who was how old was Troy? He was Three, four. four, four. Ah, that's awesome. And mm-hmm. uh, Megan, who was about to be a mother, and then me, which I'm just like auntie mm-hmm. and you know, day drinking. So, and y'all are <laughs> so three of you. So the first trip was you and Joe. Yep. Then the three of you. Yeah, and that was. Yeah, I do all the routing for these things. Like I just love looking at maps. So. I'm picking the routes. I'm looking at on so Google you're Earth. the days, the distance a day. Yeah. How that. far can we go? I, I scour other people's ride reports. I'm like, oh, here's some cool places to camp. And these are just like spots in the woods. They're not like campsites. Um, so I'm trying to figure all that out. And I'm going, you know, mile by mile through it to make sure like, oh, this road is closed or this one's not. This one's open or they changed the route. So I got to make because... So I have this responsibility on me of like, if we get to a spot that is impassable, I'm going to feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. And we got to. Also the Tetons. No, there was one in Montana that I was like, we can go 30 miles this way or here's a route. And I'm just seeing it on the map. Like it looks well established. That's 14 miles. And it was probably four hours to go that 14 miles whoa (laughs) because it was muddy and rough uh i got i buried my back wheel in mud at one point i got in a rut and it just where i got off the bike and it just stayed standing up no yeah i've got video of that (laughs) (laughs) so then it's we we all all three of us have to tug it out of there you and know. it's not just the bike. You've got how many pounds of gear on the Yeah, bike? And, and you can unload all that stuff if you want, but it, yeah, so then so then I'm like, all right, guys, I'm stuck. Don't follow me. Uh, can you help me drag this monster out of the mud? <laughs> so then, you know, everyone also, all day long, we have headsets. So you can he- hear everything everyone is saying. All the time. So you can talk all the time. Yep. That's cool. And you can sneeze in each other's ears and all that kind of stuff. So what you hear when you're dragging a bike out of the mud is... Because <sighs> we're also at 9,000 feet, you know. And and then I'm there like, sorry, 
I guess this way is muddier than it looks from a satellite image. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But, you know, those those moments to me are, like, the ones I have the the most vivid memories of. Whereas there's thousands of miles of trail out there that... You don't remember. It's just trees. Trees and dirt. (laughs) Yeah, so the tough moments stand out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then in October, I went... I did just did a route in New Mexico by myself, which was a kind of a mishmash of different routes. How far did you go? Just New Mexico? Yeah. Yeah. It was October, so I didn't want to go too far north because it was getting cold. So Did you go from here? I drove to Las Cruces and parked at like a self-storage place and just unloaded the bike. I drove my truck there and then I made a loop. It was like 900 miles. How did you like solo versus three and two I people? was kind of apprehensive about it how come just because i don't when you're just one being alone with your thoughts when you're in an unfamiliar place i didn't know how that was going to affect me and then the other thing is normally it's like okay we're in this situation do you want to do this or do you want to do that and you bounce it off somebody but there's nobody there you just got to make a decision <laughs> which is good and bad because it's nice to be able to just do whatever you want without worrying about what somebody else's opinion is but other times it's like i'm trying to make a good decision and i want some input <laughs> how far north did you go in new mexico um just right along the northern border of the white sands missile range so not halfway big that halfway up the state maybe yeah. Do you remember that town? It's not Los Alamos or is it, is it Roswell? No, I didn't go through Roswell. Okay. But that was pretty cool. Are you south of Roswell or? I don't know where Roswell is. Okay. To be honest. Okay. (laughs) You didn't go look for aliens. (laughs) No. And get a um, cool coffee mug. (laughs) But I didn't think it was, it got super cold though. It was the first night. We found a really cool spot, set the tent up, everything, made my food. It was 25 degrees when I woke up. <laughs> so I packed the tent up with ice on it. It's like, great, this is going to be packed up wet. <laughs> and uh, and then hit the road. And, you know, you're in the mountains, so the sun doesn't really come up until it's over the top of the mountains to the east. So, so it, it, stays, it stays cold. <laughs> Went through there and... Was that the coldest night? No, the last night was 22. Because of this, I've got, Brandy got me a Garmin watch. And I nice. took it off and just set it on the bike and let it acclimate to the temperature. And it got, it was 22 when I woke up and I was freezing. Like, just in my tent, like, awake. You just couldn't <laughs> sleep? It yeah. that cold? Well, it's like, I think if you, if I tuck my head into the sleeping bag... It'll get warm in there because your gross hot breath is just breathing inside the Why bag. Why is your breath gross? <laughs> well, those, those one-time-use toothbrushes don't really do the trick. <laughs> but then I'm just like, I'm breathing my own breath in here. <laughs> so you don't, cause that cold, you would think you'd just close it up and leave it, but you didn't? No, I didn't like. Feel, you feel yeah, claustrophobic? Yeah, no, it just, I didn't like. Breathe in air I already exhaled, so I'd have to have my head out. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. I didn't I didn't know you could do that. I think I 
I don't know what time, but one time with my uncle when I lived in Alaska, he took me camping at in Seward, Alaska, which is right on the beach, like on a rocky beach where they fish for the huge halibut, mm-hmm. right? So camp, like t- taking Diego camping is, I just haven't brought him to experience that, but walking through I rows of six to seven foot halibut they're tall seven foot tall probably six foot wide mm-hmm. you're walking through rows then we camped right there where they cooked out and then in the morning i was freezing like you were just shivering i woke up from you know just <laughs> shivering mm-hmm. and i was in a tiny tent with my uncle and i looked over and his, he's not there his soup sleeping bag is closed he closed himself inside the sleeping bag. Mm. So I thought he was dead. Oh I thought, oh my God. I was like, he froze to death. I was having, I was flipping out. And then I see him wiggle and I was like, oh God, that's, now it's a relief, How but that's weird. I was 11. I was oh going to turn 12 that year. And he just unzipped. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, why are you inside the sleeping bag? He's like, it's freezing. He's like, you should do the same. A dummy. Close yourself inside. I'm like, I've, I don't remember. I don't remember being in a tent before that, and now mm. I'm in a tent where it's frigid cold. I don't know uh, what it was. And, and in a body bag. And in a body bag, like that, he's closed. <laughs> he's, he's like, he goes, you'll be warmer. Just close yourself in, or just leave a tiny hole. And I tried, and I just kept zip, 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 <laughs> breathe, yeah. zip back. <laughs> Like a dolphin. dolphin. Yeah. Every hour you got to come up for air. (laughs) (laughs) So he just went right back to sleep. Just like, well, good night. Oh my gosh. I just remember that being freaking me out. Like, you can't, but you breathe air. He's like, you can breathe in the bag. It's fine. Mm. I was just cold. I just woke up and then eventually you wake up and get out and you're moving and you're fine. Yeah, that morning I found out my bike doesn't like to start in cold weather. It just kind of around, around, and it fi- it fired up. I'm like, okay, good. Just keep it alive. It's like when you're trying to like stoke a tiny little flame yeah. into a fire. And I forgot to turn the fuel valve on, so when the carburetor bowl emptied, it just died. And I was like, oh no, what happened? And you hit the starter, but you don't want to hit it too many times <laughs> without knowing what the problem is. And I realized I didn't turn the fuel on. <laughs> <laughs> my God, dude. I'm just in a forest somewhere. <laughs> so <it's> like, <laughs> no cell reception. Yeah. So I how, had, did you, how did you keep your head cool when you had a little stressful moments? Just you just you forced you to? go into problem solve mode and you just you know it, until you're run out of things to troubleshoot. You're not you're not stuck. So I, as long as I was like, oh, I need to check this, need to check that, do this, do this, and you figure it out and you're okay. Now, when you exhaust all of those options and then you're still stuck, that's probably when I would lose my head. And that <clears throat> thankfully didn't happen. Yeah, no, it didn't happen. I just, you just pack up and start walking. Eventually someone will come down the road. Drink your flask up. Yeah, I did drink a lot of whiskey by myself. <laughs> you did. <laughs> did you, uh, like I know Brandy meditates and I meditate. Not as regularly as you do, but when you, did you get any, like, maybe not, I don't know, did you directly sit and meditate or did you just say, I'm just going to sit and kind of just chill on purpose to let Um, thoughts roam or? 
I don't know. Where you- Most of the time, you don't have a lot of daylight to just chill. Like, by the time you've set up camp and got something to eat, it's like, okay, it's dark now. What am I going to do except go to sleep? Mm-hmm. Um, but there was one one day I was near Truth or Consequences. There's a lake called Elephant Butte that you can just drive out on the beach. And I just drove down there in the sand, like... <laughs> paddling through deep sand on the bike and just set my tent up in the sand and sat there in my little chair and drank some whiskey and watched the water, watched the sunset. That was, mm-hmm. that was awesome. Nobody really around. I think that lake gets super packed in the summer. It's like, it's like redneck central, but there wasn't anybody there in October. Mm-hmm. Which one is like a more standout trip in your mind? Out of those three. I guess the Continental Divide was probably the... Took more more planning and there was more adversity mm-hmm. <laughs> on the road on that one. Yeah. But, I mean, like, nothing really bad happened. Flat tire and nobody ran out of gas or anything, so... <laughs> oh my gosh. you got to talk about the flat tire thing. Because you... He what Casey getting the flat? Well, and it's like you had those tools, yeah, and you finally got to use them, right? Or weren't you guys at a gas station? Or yeah, something? well, I don't know when it went flat. We were coming down. I forget which side of Marshall Pass, and there's a small. It's not really a town. It's like a gas station with some farm communities around it uh, called Sergeants. And we we stopped there to get gas, and I'm like, Casey, your back tire's flat. And I had picked up like a a nail. I guess that used to be like an old railroad or something that all the tracks are like pulled up. But a lot of the yeah. yeah, a lot of the metal bits are still laying around and we had a spare tube, we had all the tools to pull the wheel off, change the tire. And I didn't want to do it on the ground, so I picked the tire up and I set it on one of the gas station trash cans. And then the clerk comes out there. He's like, if you mess up my trash can, you're going to pay for it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, all right, bro, do it on the ground. So, <laughs> so Were you afraid to mess up the trash can? <laughs> I It was going to do no damage. It's <laughs> funny. So we changed it. and. But you got to use your little tools. Oh, yeah. I've got a little like a plug-in, a tiny little air pump. So... To air up flat tires and stuff, so it was like plug into what? Like a it, like a twelve volt because I've got I added a a wire off the bike that you can just get to for battery power, so I just plug it into that. Has a cigarette lighter? It type thing or is it? An they, actual... It's like a two prong. They call it an SAE plug. It's kind of pretty, it's a kind of a standard connection. So you just so. run the bike while you're pumping it. Yep, just air it up. Nice. On our way. So it's, it's like you you don't want to waste your time fixing flat tires, but at the same time, it's like very I'm glad I bought this stuff. <laughs> See, that's a higher level of satisfaction I have yet to experience. I have a bicycle inner tube repair kit mm-hmm. that I have a little nestled into a little the little butt pouch that's under the seat. You mm-hmm. know, just kind of sight because that little cartridges with the compressed air. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm like oh the little the, CO two the little CO two mm-hmm. yeah. so I can pop the tire. Patch it, uh-huh. re-air it. I'm kind of looking forward to that moment when I get to use yeah. that stuff. <laughs> I don't really want to flat, but I kind of want to just use the stuff. Right. So 
I get that. Yeah, it's satisfying. You're like, yeah. It's yeah, to totally know to know it. you have every tool you need to yeah. do the job on the trail. <laughs> it's kinda nice. Think Beans is dreaming? Yeah. <laughs> She's probably thinking about chasing the cat. How do you guys like having a cat? Melissa and Sophia keep wanting keep, uh, she just she sent me saying. a picture of a cat yesterday. Another adopt me. And of course, kittens look cute. There's no way a kitten can't look cute, in my opinion. Yeah. Our, you, our cat experience, I think, is different than most yeah. people's. Because yeah. I, when I found him, he was living outside. Well, and first of all, and, you're allergic to cats. Right. So I didn't want one inside all the time to begin with. And he was going to live outside. But he learned in like six days, hours. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was days or hours. It, but it he's like, oh, there's a dog door. I'm going to go in there. The cat goes to the dog. Yeah, because we had him set up in the garage, and then next thing we know, he was using my plants as a litter box and was hanging out. We well, had a litter box had, in yeah. the garage, and but he would he just come in here and poop in a potted plant. Oh, because yeah. he's semi-feral, like used to being outside. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he would. It's like, what is this disgusting he, powder? He would, IP unnatural. Elements. Yeah, right. Yeah. And he would eat anything. Like, oh you, he God. would like eat a Dorito. Yeah, like anything that had a smell. He was like, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna eat that. Yeah, <laughs> but then it just evolved where he um, and it, we just got rid of the litter box, and he stopped crapping in my plants for some reason. So now he just goes somewhere outside. He's like a dog. He's not yeah. inside very much. Yeah, he's like, an inside out cat. Like if he's inside, it's normally during the day and he's just like sleeping somewhere. Or it's raining or something like but that. But most of the, like I'll go a whole day and not even see him. Yeah. But we have food we have his food in here for him and he'll just come through the dog door and be like, Hey guys, how's it going? And go up and get some food. Most and- of the time is fine. He did one time bring a live rabbit into the house. While we were a out live of town. Rabbit. Yeah, we were. I forget where. I don't know. But we have a camera in our house. Yeah, so we saw we some commotion on the nest cam, and we saw him let a creature go in the living room, and it just went into the kitchen and disappeared. And we scanned the video until the camera turned off at five a.m. and it never came out. We were like, oh god. <laughs> And then a few weeks later, like, it smelled like death in our kitchen. Yeah. So, because I was afraid that it got somewhere that the cat couldn't get it and got stuck. So, I looked under the toe boards and, like, the gaps in the cabinets. Or at least I thought I looked in every one of them. I missed one. And it somehow went under the cabinet toe board between the end of the cabinet and the wall to a closet and died in there. Which is awful. You know, and, Jake's really sensitive about animals dying yeah. anyway. So how did you get it out? Well, we found it with my dad has like a borescope kind of or a flex scope kind of camera, mm-hmm. a handheld thing. And I was sticking it in those places trying to see if it got in there. And I finally found a fur ball in one of them. And it was, luckily it was against uh, like our broom closet. I just saw the sheetrock out of the closet and Brandy reached in there with a plastic bag and got the decomposing rabbit out of the wall. Mm. There's still a hole in the closet. Yeah. I mean, so a- most of the time, our experience with our cat is good. <laughs> <laughs> and he did bring a snake in the house. A little bitty one. But he doesn't really bring stuff in He anymore. doesn't anymore. He's like three. I can't know if he's three or four years old. This okay, year, so you but- said that he's four. Okay, he's four. So I I don't know. Like, So we have a unique experience with him. I, I like having him around. And in- he'll go over to Pinky and Virginia's and... 
an indoor all the time cat. I, I don't wouldn't, think I would want. Have, but yeah. one, I'm being allergic and just I don't know. I've never really had a connection with cats like I do with dogs, but that's just me. Yeah. Yeah, it's debate for us. I don't want a cat because they're just not as they don't just come up and hey and hang out whenever. Mm-hmm. I mean, they will, but when they want to, right. not when you <laughs> invite them over. Like, right. Hey, come hang out with me. Like, eh, not right now. Yeah. Not really. I'm not just, into it right now. I was just talking. So to if Diego we get a second animal, it. like we should just get a second dog. Just another dog. Do you think Nike would be okay with that? Though? He would totally be okay. <coughs> Yeah. But see, we're spoiled with a dog that makes no noise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like having a cat version of a dog. Right. But if we get another dog, he gets pumped. He loves having a friend over. Mm-hmm. They would totally be barking. Mm. And I don't want dogs barking. Right. That's how we are because our know. dogs are old and it's like they're super chill. I mean, we can leave the house. Like they're very independent. And it's like, do we want to get a puppy? You know, like if we added another animal, like. I don't think fourteen-year-old Sprout would appreciate a puppy. I don't think so either. <laughs> Y'all just wait till after. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a hard decision to introduce another creature to your house. I think. Yeah, and it's just you know more poop, more cleaning, more feeding. Diego doesn't think that Sophia is gonna tend to her, to, to he is the, 100% the right. said cat yeah. if. Uh, yeah, the cat happens. will somehow just magically get fed and cleaned. Kind of like a trash on the counter. Oh yeah, I've got yeah. a, I've got a, the bar top. Uh-huh. I put beer cans there and they just disappear. The cat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> they teleport into the recycling facility. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brandy doesn't believe it. <laughs> I know too much. Yeah, don't get a cat. Yeah. My neighbor has three, and I and it really, we took care of his cats for, oh, so this is awesome. So he left. It was the first time ever he had me babysit his cats. Uh-huh. He had an emergency trip. His grandfather passed. Oh, no. He's like, I'm out of here. He's like, I got my cats. Can you help me? He's like, I'm leaving today. I'm like, shit, of course. He's like, I, I want to make it as least amount of work mm-hmm. possible. So I'm, he goes, I don't know, I've never done this. He goes, but they're, they don't eat much. So I'm going to leave out a week's worth of food in the kitchen and then just a massive water bowl. Mm-hmm. He's like, I really just want you to come and clean the litter box and they should have, this is more than enough before I get back. I'm like, no problem. So I go there first day and they ate about normal amount. Doesn't look too dug into. I'm not too excited about cleaning cat litter from sure. triple cats. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a like cat. hefty situation, and I did not realize that the pee turns into a massive coagulated ball, dense thing. I'm like, That's by design. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is disgusting. Stone, so time stone pee. So he was gone for maybe five days. By day three. They ate all of the food, a week and a half's oh, worth no. of food. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> I would walk in there, and I'd just see them, like, laying down. <laughs> they didn't move. They just, the first day, they were zipping around, like, and now they're just, just totally <laughs> over eight. Yeah. Just all of it. That litter box, there was barely any litter left. It was just bombs, just oh, loaded with no. bombs. I'm like, there's, if I ever, there's, so... 
I had Sophia help me because I wanted her. Oh, good. Like, we want a cat. Well, let's go practice by taking care of our neighbor's cat. Mm-hmm. And the whole time, she's just saying, that's so disgusting. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. That's so gross. Ew. I'm yeah, like, I was yeah. thinking about the litter box aspect. So then I told I told my neighbor, like, I'm like they ate all the food. And he was just mind blown. No way. He's like, I. so if I ever watch him again, he's like, just... I will have you actually feed them at the yeah. time because they obviously have no control. Of course not. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so anyway, that I was more, I do not want to deal with the litter box. No. It's, it, it's a chore, man. No. I don't think you should do it. I, I'm sorry, Melissa. I'm sorry, Sophia. Yeah. Too bad. You should take <laughs> home a goat, too. Goat would be cool. Dwarf goat. I'll take one of the Nigerian dwarf goats. You can't have one of my Nigerian girlfriends. <laughs> I need two. I need a friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've talked to you guys well. <laughs> All right, so who's y'all's favorite cousin? Oh, that's... What? No, we're not doing that. I asked Jake that but the other day, too. Brandy likes stirring the pot. Yeah. I am a pot stirrer. Somebody's here. Okay. And we're back. Okay, great. So the question was... So the question is... Who's your favorite cousin? It's me. Who's right? your favorite nuclear plant? Which <laughs> <laughs> diversion? So nuclear power. So we worked on a documentary recently last year called Juice. Okay. It's all about okay. where these two guys paid to travel to look at all different types of nuclear reactors. And it it's a pro-nuclear educational thing showing the cleanest countries and who's unit for for example the top one was iceland and uh they have i forget the name of the Reykjavik. don't know that's interesting but they have a massive water you know hydro turbine that actually powers massive amount of hydropower that actually powers the nuclear plant than the nuclear plant somehow like that they're using hydropower nuclear power and providing enough for them Plus some other neighboring places. And it's the smallest footprint, the least amount of waste, safest amount to make massive power. Mm-hmm. But it actually is green and a lot of people don't understand there's safer ways for it to be. It is green power. Right. But most people just think of The Simpsons, honestly, and sure. don't know anything past right. the green rod bouncing around Homer. Yep. And the three-eyed fish. Right. Sadly, that is our understanding as America. Yeah, I mean, also, power. and the yeah. way I mean, there is nuclear waste, which is true. But then there's uh, the amount of it versus <clears throat> the duration to amass a massive amount is where we get lost. And that's the main question. Like, sure, it's a small place; it makes lots of power. What about the waste? That's right. the usual right. question to address. I think too. I think you need to address that you work at a nuclear power plant, and that's state, why yeah, Corey's state. talking to you. <laughs> right? About right. Why am I asking? <laughs> yeah, I'm a system engineer at Comanche Peak Nuclear Power Plant. Um, which my responsibilities there really don't have anything to do with nuclear stuff or radiation. I just get trained in all that stuff because my equipment is in the radiologically controlled area. So you have to. What's your system? <clears throat> Emergency diesel generators. So it's so like if, if backup the plant power. shuts down. If you lose electrical power from the grid to the plant, um, 
these generators kick on automatically to power all the safety equipment, just like hospitals have to keep people alive when right. if there's a power outage. And the safety equipment is powering the plant. Powering, or powering like water. pumps to move water. Because okay. if, if you lose offsite power, the reactor shuts down. But it's still making, it's a chain reaction. It takes a while for it to calm itself. So it will continue to make a massive amount of heat in a so-called shutdown state. So you have to continue to cool the core for days after it shuts down. So these diesel generators will keep water moving <clears throat> through they, where it's they make, already moving to just keep they, it They make AC down. power to run all the pumps because you have to reject all that heat from the core to the lake. And that uh, I should... And that happens by the mm, water. Right. I should... Specify that the reactor coolant system is a closed system. None of that water ever leaves the containment building. It goes through a heat exchanger, which transfers the heat to another closed loop water system. Mm. And that closed loop water system transfers heat through heat exchangers to lake water. So there's multiple barriers between reactor coolant and the outside environment. Mm. And all of that is monitored. And it, you know, any amount of minor radiation change is detectable and acted upon. Mm -hmm. It's not really something that ever happens, but it would be. How do you kind of talk to people about how nuclear power isn't necessarily a scary thing and how it is um, a greener source than some other sources? Well, I mean, in recent memory, Fukushima, I mean, these things are... People have these things in their minds. Three Mile Island, Chernobyl. I mean, there's even other ones that mm-hmm. are weren't really newsworthy events. But if you work at a in the that industry, it affects you in a big way. Like a lot of regulations come through with non-accidents. Like this happened, and it could have been bad if these other things had happened. Now we're going to go make sure that doesn't happen at any other plant. So. An event at any nuclear plant is treated as an event at all nuclear plants. They all implement the same preventative measures. Maybe not the same, but you know, applicable to whatever their plant design is. It's like if you're if there's a vulnerability here, we're gonna address it at all the plants. Mm-hmm. So and that's nationwide or worldwide? Uh, nationwide, absolutely. From because the NRC National. Uh, Nuclear Regulatory Commission uh, is, um, you know, North American, like U.S. based, but there's also global, like Wayno is like a global organization for like kind of regulating, sharing information mostly, sharing sharing operating experience on things like that to improve safety and reliability. Anyway, you were talking about waste earlier. Yeah, so how? So I guess before we get that, so they have these water barriers. It's cooled, staged down, cooled, staged down. Do they have detectors when it actually gets out back to outside? Yeah. Officially outside, There's, I'm guessing there's sensors or yep. something that checks that when it's actually hitting outside world. Yep, yep. And you check for what? Just uh, coolant or radiation or both? Um, or? Yeah, fission products. Just they... You know, you there. You have a high energy radiation that you can detect easily. So those detectors are everywhere. They even have like uh, these like film badges 
they get exposed from gamma radiation, just like zip tied to the fences. And like, I don't know how often they check them. It's probably once every six months or once a year to see if they received a normal amount of like ambient background radiation or if there's a, a spike or a step change or something. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, that's never happened at Comanche Peak. There's been no release. <laughs> so what's the, what is the actual smoke that comes out of the stacks? There's no smoke. Or not the smoke. Is what, what's released from heat? Just steam. Well, the lake's 95 degrees all the time. That's what's released. <laughs> well, I mean, I think he's talking about like, because like it's another, not like our car plant doesn't have, we have the big Yeah, you, you have a dome. Which oh, okay. Co- cooling towers. Yeah, I think that's what comes out of yours. We don't have cooling towers. And that's because? The lake is a big enough heat source. You can reject all the heat to the lake. Um, if I don't know what specific <clears throat> like geological things make it so that you need cooling towers but mm-hmm. those are huge water usage systems like because you're basically just spraying water to cool heat rejection so what is the so ex- what comes out of those like you know the the big towers you see on the simpsons it's just yeah. it's water vapor hot water vapor well i guess on the simpsons it's just a drawing yeah, it's a, sure. It's a cartoon, <laughs> but but no, you know, so it's like a your base. It's like a giant radiator. Yeah, those are not specific so to coolant, nu- nuclear plants. All types of power plants use those. But in yours, as far as the coolant, you're saying these pipes are super hot, and the pipes carrying coolant are then surrounded in water. No, I mean it's or the coolant is just running through, just like a radiator where it's cooled. Yeah, the reactor coolant is a closed loop, so it just pumps water in a circuit. Through the reactor to steam generators. The steam generators, one side is like 2200 psi water. It's 550 degrees. That's in the reactor coolant system. And it's pressurized so much it doesn't boil. So that goes through a four big heat exchangers. Each one of those is a lower pressure. So it boils the water and the steam just turns a turbine. But those systems are not. They don't communicate with each other like the fluid doesn't communicate. It's only the heat exchange through tubes. And the turbines is actually what's creating yep. electricity. And How big are the turbines? Um, I mean, there's three. There's a high-pressure turbine and two low-pressure turbines in the generator, and they're all attached on the same, the same shaft, and the whole thing is probably 150 feet long. And How wide? I don't know. 30, 40 feet, the cases. Whoa. I mean... It's massive. I mean, there's two units there, and each one's making about 1,300 megawatts. In how much time? I mean, mean, that's... It's just just what it pumps out constantly. Yeah. It's 1,300 megawatts. Yep. And it's how big is the entire land that it sits on? Acreage? I don't know. A few hundred. Maybe a couple hundred. I mean, it's... The plant itself is... A pretty small footprint it's like a walmart but they own super the proper- walmart yes a, a, okay a, yeah a walmart super center okay <laughs> the parking lot and the building that's probably about as big as like the security fence gotcha. is that's with, small it's- yeah that's yeah i mean not like a wind farm or a solar farm right that amount of megawatts 
you're talking thousands of acres for wind anyway yeah where we saw where we just stayed at the house in san antonio we happened to be next to one of the big solar farms in san antonio you know they have three and there's one of the i think it was the medium one mm-hmm. it's just crazy to see like, yeah yeah like i'm supportive of that for sure we yeah. have solar sure. in our house and yeah. all that but it's just so big yep and we have a weberville one in austin which is massive and we're going to build another one but it produces no electricity. I think I told you last time that they shut down one of our natural gas plants because Weberville Solar Farm was mm. making enough. Yeah. And so they're planning to do well, another one. Yeah. You know. But it's it's the space, you know, it's it's huge. I mean there's right. a there's a lot of and uninhabited. No, they have no batteries systems attached. So. Right. So it's not really base load yeah. from mm-hmm. But if they did, I mean, obviously that. But battery it. technology itself is not exactly clean. I mean, no. just it's a lot of mining <clears throat> and stuff. I don't, and they're they don't last forever. So you have then you've got a maintenance program for the batteries and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Mm. And I always wanted to ask, like, do you know if the waste from those batteries is equal to or worse than waste from a nuclear plant? I don't know because, I mean, uranium gets mined also. So I don't know exactly all the impacts that has on, you know, just the mining operation and all the, what it takes from a fossil fuel standpoint to even mine and refine uranium. I don't think it's nearly as bad as natural gas. Definitely not coal and lignite plants, but... But you can't say nuclear is 100% clean from that aspect the same way you can't say that your electric car is zero emissions. Right. There's You plug your car into a wall because someone somewhere burnt natural gas to make electricity. So hmm. yeah, there's no, There is no 100% clean No, let's, power let's be honest. So All when, of when, them use materials. And, and I'm supportive of electric cars. I just don't like when people slap a zero emission sticker on the back because it's a lie. Right. <laughs> I mean, technically, if you say zero emissions from this car when it drives, would you rather the sticker say that? I'd just assume it not be there. <laughs> <laughs> but then how would you signify it versus my other car that's just pumping out emissions? Yeah, it's less efficient from a carbon footprint standpoint for sure, but... But the amount of, you're just saying the amount used to make the car is massive amounts of electricity, massive amounts of not to Not to make it, to run it. I mean, the electricity that charges your electric car is generated mostly with fossil fuels. What? <laughs> well, that's not What do you exactly, mean by that? Not exactly zero emissions. Yes. So you're, sure. It's not. But what do you mean? Like, so I that? just bought a Tesla. Okay. I have my zero emissions car. How dare you tell me zero emissions? Tell me that again. I'm, pl- I'm playing just Yeah, I, okay. So you're commuting and you're sitting there stuck in traffic. Yeah, yeah. you're not spitting anything out of your car. Right. But the power plant did that for you while you had it plugged into the wall. For eight hours last it, night. It, yeah, it, it spit out the fumes for you. And now you're just not doing it in the street. But do you think that... That's still beneficial, though, to a certain extent. Uh, that, yeah. Electric cars are more efficient from an 
energy consumption standpoint Mm -hmm. than internal combustion engines. Sure. But not by a lot. And when you consider all the mining and everything to make batteries, it's like a complicated thing to actually solve. And I've watched documentaries on it to people trying to figure out, is it actually better for the environment or is Mm -hmm. it not? And I think it is based on what I've seen, but there's a low margin Mm. at this point. But, you know, these technologies always advance to the point that they are beneficial or it seems like seems like they do. And are they big, fat lithium ions? I don't know what kind of batteries they are, but I know those cars are heavy because half of them is a battery bank. If you want to have the range to even make it a functional vehicle. But, I mean, a lot of people, it's also, they're very useful in maybe like urban places where you can charge one while you're at work or you don't have to commute very far. But when you around here, there's people I know that drive, that work at the plant that live in Fort Worth or Weatherford. It's like they go an hour, hour and a half one way and you can't charge your car while you're in the parking lot. We don't have the facilities. It's stupid that you can't charge an electric car at a power plant. I was just about about to ask you, you should have at least five spots. Yeah. It's hard to find a regular 120 outlet in the plant. It's hilarious. No, but you'd have a 220, like one of those car charging spots. Yeah. Cody drives a Prius. No, he has a Chevy Volt and it has a backup gasoline engine. Okay. Which is another stupid thing. It's not a hybrid because it. I don't know exactly how it works. It doesn't automatically switch. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, I think you should either have a gas car or an electric car. I don't like the combos. It's more complicated. Although, I mean, those Priuses seem extremely reliable. So, I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, Spout's being tappy. Yeah. Dog nails, dog nails on the, on the floor in here. <laughs> so, what would be your what 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 would be your optimal future electricity wise? What would you like to see in the world? Well, I'd like to see <clears throat> at least someone support nuclear power because it seems like neither of the majority or the the major uh, political parties really care for it. <laughs> Do you believe? Do you believe it should be? Are you supportive of more of the smaller, more numerous nuclear plants? Or I don't you, really care. Or I, I don't. I don't care. Uh, but you know, there's one is still under construction right now in the U.S. A new power plant. Where? Um, it's in the southeast somewhere. I think it's Vogel. Um, is it? And what about Vogel. the? So you're going to talk about the waste because I read that TerraPower, which Bill Gates start, they use their fuel is the waste from current power plants. Maybe. But before we get into that, what I was going to say was we've there's been I think they tried to commission three power plants in the past 10 years and two of them. They gave up during the middle of de- construction because of how expensive it got cost overruns, that kind of thing. And a lot of that is regulation and political fear. Anyway, so one of them is. On its way. Seems like it may work. It may actually start. They may actually eventually start up one day. So, anyway. So, it's hard and expensive to build them because of just the perception. Perception is reality. So, it's hard to build a nuclear plant. Anyway, okay. So, So just not getting the votes to accumulate funds to complete it. Even though it's going to generate copious amounts of power... Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot. 
Uh, but I mean, the same thing happened to Comanche Peak in the eighties. It's like Three Mile Island happened in seventy nine. That plant was been under construction for a couple of years, and that all the regulation that came out of that, which is I'm not saying is a bad thing, delayed startup by a decade. Whoa! So it started so, to be built and then sat for a decade. Well. They were probably doing some construction and some paperwork reconciliation redesigned to meet the new regulations. So it cost overrun by billions. Mm. And that can happen for a number of reasons. It doesn't have to be a near nuclear disaster. It can just be these laws changed or this political environment changed or these investors don't support nuclear anymore or, you know, it could be anything. And then all, you're talking about like companies like Westinghouse who supply our nuclear fuel. Like you can bankrupt Westinghouse by these things going under. So it's a huge risk, like mm. a, a huge enterprise risk for some of these companies. Right. Anyway, if it was if they were easier to build. So if I wanted to support nuclear, what companies would I? Invest in, or is there stocks oh, I, don't, I should buy? I know, I know nothing about the market. Is there somewhere where, if I, hey, if I want to be supportive, is it just by power of vote? I would say too, like I, or I would there... look into because in terms of social media and stuff like that, I would look into there's um, nuclear power, women in nuclear power, Facebook pages and resources like that that I really, and I'm not even in it, but. I think educating yourself and finding those outlets that are putting out information that's not necessarily pro or against mm-hmm. nuclear power, but is giving you facts. I think just giving you more information. Yeah. I think finding resources <clears throat> like that and reading up onto it and educating yourself. I think that is probably the one of the best ways to support nuclear power and well. Our environment. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just misinformation because even when I see news articles about something related to nuclear, I'm like, that's not exactly right. Nope, that that's stated in a very bad kind of way. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the facts are either wrong or stated wrong. And then you look at any comment on any article about nuclear and it's like, yeah, you watch too much Simpsons. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I would I'm- say, too, there's many, like, even just working at Comanche Peak, there's a lot of large companies, Siemens, um, like you said, Westinghouse. Lots of jobs can yeah. be created from this, too. But, I, don't but really- I mean, but those guys, they have their hands not in just nuclear power, but also. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Siemens is a yeah. global company that makes all kinds of stuff, yeah. but they maintain our, yeah. the turbine generator. So I think. Westinghouse does the fuel. We've got a yeah. lot of other, like, utility type companies out there. So I think it's hard to like say, well, we need to, you know, throw money at this one company or something like that because there's so many people's hands, so many big businesses in in nuclear power, I think. Yeah. Um, So it's hard to say who or what to support in terms of that. I think the best thing is just to educate yourself and find accurate resources. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing is it's it's not like modern technology. I mean, the, the yeah. concept of splitting an atom to get electricity was conceived of 80 years ago and achieved a couple decades after that. I mean, this is 
old technology, but it's complicated. So it's, it people can't really. If, if there's no reason for you to know the details, you, there, you don't have the time to know the details. And if you don't, then it just seems scary. And I get that. I mean, that's. Yeah. yeah or if I said, hey, fossil fuels. I don't know enough to tell you how that works. Do I imagine oil for my car? Like, so let's say I found a bunch of oil. Are they literally torching it and the steam is spinning a turbine? Obviously not. Maybe. I don't know. But no one's harping and hammering on the details of fossil fuel like they do on nuclear. They know it's dirty. That's mm. what we like. Super I can hang on to a very general thought for like four decades, Mm -hmm. probably, until somebody gives me some details. Right. You're right. I don't need to know, but I don't know them either. It's not like people know as little about fossil fuels as they do about nuclear, as far as details-wise. Me included. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, I guess the difference there is you're going to slowly kill the environment over time with fossil fuels instead of completely kill thousands of square miles all at once with the nuclear disaster. <laughs> that's what people know. So, right. Well, and, and that's you, what they've seen, I think, and, in headlines. Sure. And some of these plants are... Because you don't want to say, hey, dropping news, Comanche Peak, successfully generating electricity for 60 years with no incidences. Read more. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Well, but yeah, that's- but let's say not, and this would be completely not credible at, by any means. But if you had a Chernobyl style disaster at Comanche Peak, we're like fifty miles from Fort Worth, mm-hmm. not much further than that from Dallas. I mean, you've you've displaced millions of people with mm-hmm. with one event, mm-hmm. and that doesn't really happen with fossil fuels. So I think that's why it's easier to be against it. Without knowing anything. And then, then, and then versus the disaster of a solar plant, which even though it takes up miles and miles <clears> of square footage, worst case scenario is it's just not on. Yeah. It's some, some company. <laughs> it's, <laughs> no, the disaster is. Some company went bankrupt. Yeah. Well. <laughs> somebody's losing money, but it's not. Environmental wise, it's just not on. You could reclaim the land if you, could you just wanted. Clean, uh, take them off and yeah. then it's you're farming again. Right. Yeah. That's, you know, yeah. space. So let's get into the waste. Talk to me about the nuclear waste. Okay, so... Oh, okay, number one, what is it? It is when uh, the fuel is manufactured, it's um, enriched uranium. So they have a specific percentage of fissionable uranium. The rest is just dirt uranium. It's not... It's benign. doesn't do anything. Uh, so it goes in, and then you activate uranium-235, and it splits into different things, emits gamma rays. It's in a cladding that is all of the material is designed to stay inside the cladding. So you're not supposed to get fission products outside. The only thing you get is like neutrons and things like that. Most of the particles, uh, atoms remain in the cladding so you try to it keeps the water clean 
all that kind of stuff. So you don't want all that stuff just dispersed in the coolant system. So when it comes out, it's basically the same thing. It's just now highly radioactive. All of the fuel moves. So when they put fuel in, take fuel out, it's all done like 23 feet underwater. That stuff cannot be in the air. You can't be, it, I mean, it, it's, does it have to be a certain temperature? Is that why it has to be in the water? Or? Yeah. It's well, it's one, it's, it's, Temperature-wise, very hot and still extremely radioactive, and it will be for a very, very long time. So water is a really good shield for radiation. So you keep it that far underwater. People can work in the building. They can operate the mechanical equipment that moves it from the reactor over to the spent fuel pool, which is the other place I was going to get to, which is plants were designed with a spent fuel pool, assuming to store all the spent fuel. And it has to be continually cooled. I mean, it's a giant, like, Olympic-sized swimming pool, but probably deeper. And it's got these racks that store the, the fuel rods. The spent well, fuel? Yeah, the spent fuel. Um, and it has to be cooled because if you lost cooling to the spent fuel pool, it would boil all the water in the pool out eventually. Whoa. And that's the spent fuel. Mm. So... They, those were designed and sized, assuming there would be some storage facility, presumably Yucca Mountain that never opened. And it's since the past 10 years, since I've been working there, we've run out of storage capacity in the pool. So they had to come up with a way to put the fuel in a big steel and concrete cask and then seal it off, like weld it closed and get it out of the pool. And store it on the plant property. With water inside of these concrete casts? Uh, no, they, they're just, they drain the water out. Okay. But they're huge and they're, they're like tens of tons. Mm -hmm. These giant canisters. So they put the fuel in there all underwater. They use a crane, get it out of the water, drain the water out, and then they move it with this specialized piece of like equipment that has a bunch of wheels. It's like a mobile gantry crane kind of and they put it up on this big concrete pad and it has remote temperature monitoring capability so you can see like how hot it is there's like a chamber on the outside that circulates air naturally so they just sit there no fuel has ever left comanche peak once it gets there it stays there mm -hmm. and that's i think true for every plant there could be some exceptions for if someone, like you said earlier, they're taking spent fuel and powering other stuff with it. If there's been some special project where they collected spent fuel, I don't know about that. So that's what, I mean, that's what I read on even Terra Power is Bill Gates' nuclear power company. <clears throat> and they're, they're designing it to use the spent fuel as their fuel. Hmm. So they can enrich it again. To I guess a lesser degree, but they can yeah. use, they can consume all of the current waste or current spent spent fuel or rods that's out there now to run. Yeah, so there's obviously a lot of energy left over because of how hot they are when after they're used. So I just don't know how you handle it because you can't humans can't withstand exposure to that material. So I don't know really how you do that from a safety and I guess cause it, you're obviously handling it to put it from where it's used to in the 
pool area or in those casks. Yep. You can move it there. So, But then you, if you're going to use that material, you have to get the material out of the rods, out of the cladding, into a centrifuge to separate out the more massive particles from the lesser ones and get, just collect the ones you want to, to work with the process you're trying to, to do because not all of it's going to be useful. It depends on the properties of the elements that are in there. Mm-hmm. So you want to collect the elements you need. All that has to be done somehow. We're not, we're just moving a physical thing from one spot to another. If you're having to strip that down and get all the parts and pieces out of it and put it, all that into yeah. another piece of equipment, separate that out, where does the radio, radioactive stuff go? Or, you know, I, I don't know how. It's not like you can like pop the top and get your test all, tube yeah, and pull All of this out. is going to have to be right. done with no humans anywhere near what's happening. Oh, that's interesting. Well, okay, so what... So the waste is sitting... Yeah. Okay. Is, it, is it just... Yeah, it's just sitting there. How long is it... It sits there for ever. Because it's yeah. going to stay mildly radioactive for, what, 100 years? 200 years? At least. I mean, it's... One of those things that is concerning to me is... When that plant gets decommissioned, all of these plants get decommissioned. You know, they have a license life of 40 years and some of them extended to 60, possibly 80 for some of them. Then what? You've got a a defunct power plant with highly radioactive material on the plant side. Now what happens is the generation who's the working generation at that time going to be responsible with that material? Mm -hmm. Don't know. Well, and what define responsible? Like, well, how do we even know what that means? Like, well, I yeah, I know it, yeah. it. It needs to just stay where it is. You think so? But if it, I mean, it, people right now don't want it transported across the country. Go load it up on a rail car, and then, and then the train derails. Right. Yeah, some somewhere. Now what? Right. <laughs> I mean, it's safer for it to not move. But ever. Yeah, but but whenever, you know, let's say if nuclear power is still popular, you know, 80 years from now, maybe people will understand that kind of stuff if nuclear goes by the wayside or whatever. And then there's just these things that it doesn't get trained on, doesn't get mm. uh, respected mm-hmm. and understood, then bad things could potentially happen with that fuel. Still dangerous. I don't know. I mean, we're just all—all all this stuff is highly regulated and it's very safe right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, how what can you say or do to ease people's minds in terms of uh, like storing the spent? Well, I guess one thing that I find kind of laughable is the uh, we do uh, drills like on some accident happen. Like uh, we lose all offsite power, plant shuts down, and one of the reactor coolant system pipes just breaks in half. Okay? okay. Just, just assume that happens and you have to like, this is 
suspension of disbelief to the fullest whenever okay. you, whenever you get these scenarios because you're sitting up there in a room with a bunch of people and you're watching a computer screen and you're like okay this temperature's doing that this pressure's doing that these pumps are running these are not and you're trying to mitigate the accident it's so like we lose offsite power none of the diesel generators started and i'm i'm offended immediately so i'm like because that's what you spend yeah, all your days. Yeah, this is my my whole job is to I make sure for this. <laughs> they sit there and do nothing all the time, but when they get a start signal, they need to start. Right. And we test them once a month, and they start all the time. So it's like all of a sudden we're doing a drill, and they're like, "Well, the diesels didn't start." I'm like, "How? What happened? Mm-hmm. Can we go out there and look?" But you really can't because it's not real. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a pretend. This scenario. is just drills. So gotcha. you were doing this in the plant. So if you you can be like, okay, we need to get a team together, go out to the diesel, see what's going on. You have to go with a controller, a person who is controlling the, the drill, the scenario, okay. and be go in there and be like, what do I see? What do I smell? Is this broken? What does that look like? And actually, like play pretend mm. to figure it out. And it's always like that would that would never happen. First of all, the pipe wouldn't have broken in the first place. They're like, but what if it did? <laughs> well, that's mm-hmm. the thing. Is it- So they just pick a random thing. Okay, we're pretending this pipe broke. And <clears throat> so he's just creating a fake. And, and all this happens in real time because they have a simulator that models the entire plant very, very well. Oh, wow. The control room for the simulator looks exactly like the control room for the plant. That's cool. That's how you train the operators because all the operators in the control room just see gauges and dials. They can't really, oh, is this pump running? My indication says it is. So it acts exactly like the real plant. It's just, pro. it's a computer program. It's crazy. So we do that. We see that in real time. So that's, I mean, we do that all the time. So, I mean, everyone's trained to deal with adverse situations. It's all proceduralized. If this, if, if this, then that, if this, then that, if this, mm-hmm. then that, I mean, it, everything has been thought of. And, you know, we don't build reactors inside of steel buildings like they do in Russia. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a good thing, I'm guessing. (laughs) I don't think that's true now, but that's definitely... Chernobyl had no containment building. Speaking of Chernobyl, do you think that that show, as someone that watched it, do you think that... The show was extremely accurate and scientific. Super interesting, yes. And grim. Yeah. I have not seen it. Oh, I'll you haven't it seen out. it? Uh-uh. Yes. It's interesting for sure. But, but like- I mean, we have containment systems here that are, there's a, I mean, a code of federal regulations that says how you build a power plant. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you're not allowed to build one that's unsafe. You can't just build one. It has to meet all the regulation. And they're very, um, uh, scrutinizing (laughs) about the design Uh and and not just like the design on paper but how how is it implemented actually constructed to the point even afterward yeah like you pour a big concrete uh containment building they take core samples of the concrete and be like is the did the concrete get to the right hardness all that i mean there's no details overlooked Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, to go back to what you're saying about how would you ease people's minds, I mean, my whole job is hypotheticals. If 
if this happened, what would happen to your equipment? It's like, well, that, that couldn't really happen. Well, let's say it did. What would happen? It's like, that's a lot of what I do. Just preparing for worst case scenario all the time. Yeah, I mean, or like, just any scenario. Any scenario. It, it could be. It could be a weather changes. event. It could be an earthquake. It's this. Everything is designed for the worst case. It's like I don't know what all the numbers, like a eight point something earthquake, can happen, and the plant will shut itself down and be fine because there's built with all the pipe supports it needs to be seismically stable for that event, or a rain, a flood event of like ten inches an hour, or something bizarre like that. I mean. <laughs> It, you just have to assume these once every hundred year things happen and build it to that standard. That's why everything's so expensive. What does it feel like? Because you grew up here in Glen Rose on the ranch. And within sight of within two sight containment of domes. Two containment <laughs> yeah. domes. So what does it feel like to do that? And then now you're working there. I don't know. I never wanted to work there. It just kind of happened. Yeah. So you saw it your whole life. Yep. And now you're in it every day. Yeah. So it never scared me to begin with because... It was always there and you're fine. It's just there looming on the horizon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't bother me at all. And now that I know the amount of care that goes into design, construction, and operation and maintenance, it's not scary at all. Nice. Would you rather be oh. in a cube or in a tractor? I go back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> cube or tractor? It's, like mm. I said, what if lot. you could have the best of both worlds? Yeah. Most of the work I do is administrative, so you don't really get to see the fruits of your labor. Most yeah. of it, you know, is it's it's hard to appreciate the contribution when you finish a task. Mm. Sometimes, well, that's 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 most maintenance things. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, and it's nice whenever there's, if there is like some kind of problem that you have to go do troubleshooting for or whatever that can, obviously I don't like it when that happens. I want stuff to be reliable, but it's satisfying to get out there and find a problem, figure it out, solve mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But that's the kind of thing you see. You just, when you're in a tractor, you look over your shoulder and you're like, oh yeah, making progress. Yeah. <laughs> Say, we're yeah. getting stuff done. Yeah. You can see it. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about being able to feel that victory of accomplishing something mm-hmm. right away versus longer term stuff that you know you're just preventing what you're doing. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're preparing for the worst all the time, which is more important than, in essence, you know, than versus the one time everything went wrong in the generator. Yeah. You sorted it all. Obviously, you feel amazing because you took care of everything. It's fixed. It's online. Boom, it's back. That day would feel great. (laughs) But preventing that from ever happening ever is better for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, But you don't, you won't get that. Yeah. High fives everywhere and people popping champagne courts somewhere outside of the vicinity. Beans is squinting so, so much. She just wants to fall asleep. Are you tired, Beans? (laughs) She's over there spazzing in her dreams a minute ago. 
All right, I say we go get some dinner. What do you guys think? Sounds good. Sounds great. Dinner time. Corey. Yes. I've had the best time with you. I had the best time with you guys. I have to say, like, every time we're with you guys, like, as a cousin-in-law. Oh, how dare you. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you. I think it's so much fun to see you guys with your kiddos. And and I know Jake and I, like, we're always on the fence about the kid situation. But seeing you guys as parents and as humans and ultimately as friends of ours, like, that is something that we cherish a lot. And every time we walk away or go home from a conversation with you – or Melissa, or being around the kids. Like, we're extremely grateful to have you guys in our lives. And thanks for this. Thanks for coming out, and thanks for this opportunity to do this today. This has been really fun. No, so. thank you. I couldn't, I wouldn't have this experience without y'all letting us come out here mm. and being able to just come and camp with my son alone. Yeah. Dude, yeah. so great. Yeah. I think the ranch gives us a lot of. A lot of peace, you know. It's nice to to have. So So next time you got to get Diego on the dirt bike. We're getting him on the dirt bike. Take him for some rides. Yeah. Yeah, I think he'd love it. He'll be. He's really. He's hunting all the time for a Polaris Razor One Seventy. Oh yeah, yeah. single seater racer one. So if you find one, let me know. He's talking about all this. He is. If he gets ten seconds, Google something. He's like found one. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, nope, that is the $15,000 adult version. That's the 1000 You need to find the 170 <laughs> He's like, oh, okay, okay, got it. Done. But he, him just feeling the wheels, like he just loves to drive. I mean, yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah. No, it's Driving is fun. We should take him out in the Miata. You, I mean, you, you got a dirt bike slash mountain bike path going. Now you just need a rally track sorted out. Rally track path, be yeah, pretty sweet. We can make it happen. I mean, it'd be a lot of a lot of smoke and fumes, <laughs> <laughs> dust, a lot of flying think, dust uh, and dirt. Yeah, that's uh, dirt bikes don't make a lot of they don't kick up as much yeah. as <laughs> such as a rally car. We'll get an electric one. <laughs> Still a lot of dust, but less fumes. Yeah, been good. Thanks okay. for having us. Thank you. Love you guys. Be healthy, y'all.